Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't buy no more. I can't buy no more. Army, for the second year, has won it. To the winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Back to the Against Enemies podcast. Uh, I believe this is our first one of the year, or did we do another one earlier in the year? No, we did one, right? Yeah, second one of the year. Second one of the year. Um, but it just seems like it's been a while. So it's been a couple weeks since we've been together. So how's everybody doing? Doing great. Pretty good. We got Scott and Kayla. Austin's doing something with volleyball. He'll hopefully be joining us here soon. Uh, he's working his new job, which he appears to be loving. So um, it's good. Happy for him. And um, but he's been busy with that. So. Get him in here when he's in here, but yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Obviously, a lot happening in the sports world at large, you know, in the last couple of weeks, and then um, specifically with service academy stuff, you know, we'll kind of be all over the place tonight, just because um, not a ton going on, but at the same time, a lot of cool random things I feel like going on um, uh, throughout you know the landscape, and I guess it is Super Bowl week, so let's just start there, um, Scott. So. Um, I've got you tasked writing a piece on, you know, a short piece on Ben Garland being in the Super Bowl, but, um, you know, that's a, that's a big deal, right? I mean, to have a service academy player and yes, Joe Cardona's long snapper. I'm not downplaying Joe Cardona. I love Joe Cardona. Um, I interviewed him when I was teaching and he was still a mid before he even graduated when he was at the senior bowl. Um, as one of my first things I ever did for underdog dynasty and I love Joe Cardona, but, um, there's a difference in, in, you know, I think in a little bit of him long snapping for the Patriots and Ben Garland, um, you know, offensive line for the 49ers. So, yeah, I mean, what does that mean to Air Force? What is it, how, you know, what is the fan base thing? How cool is that? How cool was it to watch him spike that ball in the um, NFC Championship game or divisional game, whichever game that was in the past couple of weeks? Yeah. How are you feeling about that? I think um... – What's really awesome about it is just the fact that he's really he's crafted himself a career um, in the NFL, and, and like you said, it doesn't take away anything from those special teams guys, but it's a little bit different. I mean, and and Joe Cardona as well as Austin Cutting have both earned their spots, have earned starting spots, um, and that's great for them. But just the way that Ben Garland has had to grind and compete, and he's had this longevity. Um, first signing with the Broncos in 2010 and then going to Atlanta and now being with the, the 49ers and going to yet another Super Bowl. It's just really cool. And you've seen him go through the practice squad years and make his way onto the final roster and then now to be finally starting and be a true veteran. And it's just, you can see him making an impact. And that just goes to show, I think it shows a lot more that we're not just this token, um, we don't just produce token athletes who can be oh, yeah, isn't this cool? We have a nice little feel-good story about a military guy who plays now. They're legitimate co contributors. And, I mean, this isn't the first time you go back and look at, like, Chad Henning, and then, obviously, Army and Navy both have athletes in other sports, like the Admiral, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just, like, another another story, and it shows the pedigree of what you get from the academy. I mean, you get a little bit of everything um, with the kind of cadets that graduate from there. And, I mean, it's just really exciting, and it's really cool. He's such a down-to-earth guy. 
Um, he's been up for numerous awards for all the work that he does in the community and philanthropy and that kind of thing. And he just seems like a really grounded guy. Um, I've talked with him in a small capacity a few times and, and every time just an absolute delight. Um, so I'm really excited and it kind of gives me in, in a game that otherwise I'm always excited for the Super Bowl, but in a game that otherwise I wouldn't have necessarily had too much, um, buy-in for either team. I think I'm probably pulling for the 49ers a little more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is cool. Um, and just to see, like you said, kind of him grind it out, right, with the Broncos. He had to be placed on the reserve military list for a couple of years, bounced off the practice squad for a couple of years, so they pretty much had to do something with him, right, because you can only do the practice squad for, I think it's three years or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Then gets released by the Broncos, gets picked up by the Falcons. And I think a cool thing to think about with this, um, everybody, of course, is looking at, Andy Reid flopped, you know, in his kind of one chance uh, with the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Uh, or not flopped, but they didn't win the game. But um, Kyle Shanahan, right, as the offensive coordinator for the for that Falcons team, twenty eight to three. We all know, you know, the jokes that come along with that. But Ben Garland was on that team too, right? And so um, that's another kind of redemption piece here, as as somebody that was um, playing in the Super Bowl, uh, up twenty five points, loses the game, and now here he is um, back as a starter you know, nine years into his career, really seven years since he's been able to actually play, but, um, and to have built that kind of, you know, role um, as a service county player, I just think it's really cool, so. Uh, yeah, and I might be reading into it a little too much, but um, I think it also shows, and, and maybe this is something that's true for all NFL athletes, I assume that they're, I mean, are some of the best athletes in the world, but I think he's really embodied that kind of next man up philosophy because he actually has only been starting since week 15 um, when Weston Richburg had an injury. So for him to be able to come in late in the season, play through the playoffs, and then essentially be an integral part of the offense that leads them to Super Bowl, I mean, I think that's a big indicator of what they really teach there. Yeah, no, I agree. And and it also, going back to the spike, um, which, you know, we didn't really address, but I thought that was really cool, you know, and, and I didn't realize I was watching the game. I just didn't realize, um, you know, honestly, when it happened that that was him, um, you know, and he told the, the Gazette that he's never spiked a, you know, spiked a football in 20 years of playing the game. And just to, for the team to kind of push that upon him, right, of, of encouraging him to be the one that kind of celebrates that touchdown, um, like you said, only having started for a couple of weeks leading into the playoffs. Um, just really cool and, and speaks to how much, um, they have embraced that kind of mentality, but also how much they've embraced him and, and what he brings to the team. So, Kayla, do you have any thoughts on the Super Bowl or Ben Garland? Or um, So, I'll, I mean, I'll definitely be rooting for the 49ers. Um, it's not really my team, even though, I mean, you know, hometown team and pride. I will say that I kind of like how Scott pointed to, it's been cool uh, to watch him and for really up until bringing it up um, with you guys in the podcast, it didn't really dawn on me um, that he was an Air Force grad. And I think sometimes, at least in kind of my perspective, we kind of relegate, um, you know, service academy grads to special teams and we don't really think about them too much as contributing a lot to the game, but like being on the roster. And so for this to get a lot more visibility, I think is really awesome. And of course, you know, a Super Bowl win, I think would just be icing on the cake and, and something uh, for specifically, you know, Air Force fans and Air Force grads to be, you know, aware of, like like you said, you just, um, these athletes just contribute in a whole bunch of ways. And, and I think it also speaks to, to Garland's kind of staying power. Um, you know, his patience, his work ethic to be able to, 
uh, to stay in the league and, and plan it out the right way. And, and now he's, you know, going to Miami. So it, it looks like it's it's going to be cool, and I, I hope it's going to be a good game. And I hope we do uh, see some more of him on Sunday. Yeah, and another thing I thought of while you were talking, too, is um, just how much, from an X's and O's and performance perspective, how the 49ers have really just stepped. I mean, they've been the number one rushing team pretty much all year, right? But they've stepped it up even more in the playoffs. They had, I mean, Raheem Mostert had like 200, I don't know, they had like 200, almost 300 yards rushing, which is like unheard of in an NFL game these days, um, in the NFC Championship game. And so... Um, it's not just that he's stepping in, right? It's that it's that he's um, contributing on that offensive line to, you know, one of the greatest rushing attacks um, we've seen in a while. I feel like so. I don't know. I just think overall it's a really cool story. Um, I met Pat Mahomes last year at the NFL draft, but I'll still give it to the 49ers <laughs> and, and just because Garland's playing as well. So uh, I'll uh, I'll be cheering for the 49ers too. Although. The Chiefs do have three former Clemson players. There's that as well. But anyway, <laughs> no. all that aside, uh, Garland still still takes it. I'll, I'll cheer for the 49ers. Um, it should be good. It should be good. Scott, I know you're going to have the grill all fired up, the smoker all fired up. Tell everybody what you're cooking. This is Scott's cooking oh, yeah. hour. We're, uh, this is a – if I get this out, it will, it will be out before the weekend. Um, everyone who's listening is invited, just <laughs> so you know. Uh, we're going to be doing Rubens with homemade pastrami. Uh, we're going to be doing wings. We're gonna be doing pulled pork sliders. Um, I'm gonna be making pretzels too. I'm a big yeast guy. <laughs> I like to make yeast products. So quite the menu. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I wish I could go. That sounds really good, and I'm really hungry now. Um, but that'll be <laughs> that'll be good, man. That's that sounds uh, sounds like you're gonna have quite the party, and uh, and can't wait to see the pictures on Slack and be very jealous. Um, oh yeah. So. Well, uh, outside of the Super Bowl, you know, we got other things going on too. Um, I thought we'd keep it with football just real quickly. And Kayla, you kind of wrote up about um, some of the the uh, the NFL PA Bowl, the East West Shrine Game, some of those games, you know, All Star type games going on for the for the potential NFL draft picks out there. And uh, Service Academy is well represented this year across um, you know those two games. The Hula, I think it's called the Hula Bowl, but um, you know, several of those kind of bowl games and not just, uh, not just there, right. Um, there's always someone from a service academy there at one of those, but contributing in, in all of them and, and making, uh, making an impact. So I don't know if you want to give us a rundown of kind of who was there and, and how they stood out. And, um, as we start to get into obviously draft season and start thinking about does Malcolm Perry actually have a chance to get drafted? Does, um, Elijah Riley have a chance um, who's going to take the free agent flyer or, you know, perhaps on Cole Christensen and stuff like that. Yeah. I think um, even, you know, and of course, you know, maybe my bias is showing, but I mean, having watching these guys who participated in these bowls and games, I mean, I think you would hope that that answer is yes. Right. So uh, during the East versus West Shrine game, uh, we had Malcolm Perry. Uh, and then of course we had Elijah Riley, uh, both who had, um, some really nice moments during the game. Of course, if you follow both Navy football on Twitter, which just personal plug you should, their Twitter is awesome. I have to give it out to the, the digital team, you know, over at Navy. They do some awesome stuff. Um, but he did have a 52-yard uh, touchdown. It was amazing. There's a video on there. I've included it in my piece. So um, it, it was very much, you know, 
I think for me, you know, what we as a team, what we as Service Academy fans and, and watchers have seen all seasons, it was really cool to see it um, kind of in this arena uh, for other players from other schools, other conferences, you know, playing a different type of style of football to be able to see and him adapt in that. And of course, Elijah Riley also, um, I think he got, let me see, I'm scrolling down here. So he notched uh, five combined uh, total tackles, uh, or excuse me, five combined tackles, four, um, and then one assisted. So he was definitely on the ground there as well. So it, it's really cool to kind of see, you know, in terms of, you know, football, the different ways in which these service academy players have been contributing. And then, of course, the NFL PA Bowl. We also got some guys there. Um, so we had uh, Michael, is it Pfeiffer? Pfeiffer, I want to make sure I pronounce that right. Also, um, Scott Haddock. Um, and, of course, Cole Christensen, and who, you know, heard me talk about him and everybody else. You know, he led um, Army in season tackling. And, of course, he netted uh, five to total tackles uh, during the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, four of them solo, um, and Haddock netted. I think he had a fumble recovery, too. Yeah, a fumble recovery, and Haddock also had a tackle himself. So just another, you know, awesome time for these guys to really get seen on a different level. Of course, you know, I imagine, you know, you're a scout, you're a football person, you've got your kind of pulse on these guys, but it's really an awesome time uh, for them to play in this type of arena. And like I said, I think it just speaks to the adaptability of these teams and coaching staffs for these guys to be able to stand out. Um, I can't imagine what it – you know what it's like playing with you know guys from all these different schools playing all these different types of offenses and being able to kind of like communicate on the field with each other um, I think that's just really really awesome so definitely we had some good good standouts from uh, service academy players a couple weeks ago in those bowl games yeah and uh, Scott Haddock I mean for Air Force had I think from all accounts like a really good week too um, you know on the offensive line like you said Christensen Riley you know I think they all made positive gains for themselves. Um, and then of course, Malcolm Perry, um, looked like he was, you know, making the transition pretty well, um, from, you know, from quarterback to receiver and, uh, had, I believe Antoine Randall L there that week, like coaching him, who was a perfect example, right. Of someone who went from quarterback to, to receiver. So, um, I think it was overall a really good experience for everybody. Like you said, Piper to it, long snapper, um, another one of those, long snappers and what's becoming a kind of a line of long snappers from the service academy team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool, um, for that, you know, and then, uh, I, was it the hula ball? It's the hula ball, right? Yeah. That, um, Mo Fafita played in Scott. Uh, I believe so. I think yeah. that might be a nickname, but yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, all-star hula ball or something like that. Um, so Fafita played in that and, um, you know, all-star hula ball classic football. Yeah. Game. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, so he's, I mean, he's in there in that conversation too. And so who knows how this is going to play out as far as the number, you know, we'll probably only see one or maybe two drafted, but, um, they get these kind of free agent invites to some teams and, um, it'll be really fun to track as we kind of head down the, head down the road. Another thing, um, and then we'll kind of wrap up football, take a break and come back with other sports, but, um, cause there's a lot of other stuff to get to, but. You know, Scott, we are over to what two now? Um, people to enter the transfer portal um, from Air Force. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we talked about that a little bit before, but I just think it's it it, it is really interesting. It's really cool, and and I think um, just if it works out, just a great way to maximize your eligibility. If you do have any kind of aspirations at the next level, obviously, um, getting four years at Air Force or any service academy, graduating commission, you know commissioning from a service academy 
and then getting a fifth year, especially if you're able to get to a higher G5 or, you know, maybe even a P5 team and, um, and you're able to do that while going to grad school and getting that grad degree in that, you know, that year, which we all know is, is a thing at all three service academies to do that kind of immediate graduate education. Um, so you know, Isaiah Sanders, right, entered the, the, the portal as well. Yeah, so now it's um, it's Kyle Johnson and Isaiah Sanders. I think what's really interesting about it, and it's just such a cool time um, in my mind because I think that the academies are evolving a little bit. Like we see them kind of starting to catch up with the 21st century um, in terms of not just playing that traditional triple option. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that high schools are starting to step up and play more pro-style offenses and things like that at starting at a younger age. So they're able to come in and just hit really hit the ground running. And I mean, you look at the technology that we have of the ability for people to get their names out there and have this contact with different universities and things like that. So it can be a little bit more of a grassroots effort that Isaiah Sanders and Kyle Johnson have in the, and it's easier to get film out there, even, even for playing from college. I think that that matters. Um, and, and being able to communicate with people. So, it's, um, I think it's a great thing, and I think they both have a really good chance. Like I said in the previous podcast, is I think you really have to strike that balance because if you if you just love football and want to play wherever, and you go to some small like D three school or something like that, that's fine. But I think it'd be really cool if they can go play for that Power Five school, get a great education, and become a great story while actually making an impact and potentially playing in some big games next year. Yeah, I mean, super cool would be cool for both of them to see either of them do that. Um, we know Isaiah kind of, you know, has had to sit behind for the last year and a half or so, Donald Hammond, so to get another shot at, you know. Um, oh, I think but, Isaiah Sanders would would change positions. Yeah, you think so? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I see yeah. that too. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Um, but regardless, just to get a chance to, to make an impact um, somewhere else and get a, a top-notch graduate education, I mean, it's pretty cool. So a lot of different things happening around there. Um, some coaching stuff as well, right? So, um Kayla, we've had a couple of coaching changes, stuff at, at Army, retirements and things like that, right? Yeah, uh, there's a lot, so I'll kind of just run through it really quick in terms of names. It's kind of weird. I've, I've just, like, after, you know, the announcement of Nate Woody, it's just been, like, I've been seeing, like, random, just, like, small announcements, and I'm like, I feel like this is kind of a big deal. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, so we've got Keith Gaither, who was hired as a wide receivers coach. He was uh, at Army from 2015 to 16, but before... Most recently, he was at Western Michigan, uh, the same title. We got get, uh, Greg Gasparato, who was hired as a defense assistant, defensive assistant. Apparently, this is he's one of a handful, I think about uh, 13 or 14 full-time assistants that are going to coach defense. Uh, previously, he was a safeties coach for App State. Um, we've got Cody Worley, who's a quarterback coach. He comes from Kennesaw State, um, who ironically runs the triple option and has done really well. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Sheil Wood, a defensive assistant. Um, he was at Georgia Tech, also at Wolford. Um, and then, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, we've got Saga Tuatile, um, who is an offensive line coach. He was at Army from uh, 2007 to 2008. So we've got a couple people. Um, there's a lot of overlap of, of people who have coached, uh, you know, with Coach Munkin, with each other, some people who are coming back from Army. Um, what I'm hoping is kind of this, what seems to me on the surface at least, um, a sort of ramp up of this defensive coaching is is what we hope for because that was kind of a big point of contention for me, especially, you know, during the Army Navy game and just the past season is is it kind of just seemed like that was a big part of their downfall. 
And so hopefully it looks like they're kind of trying to beef that up and, and get some really talented guys in there who could kind of change change the course of Army defense in the coming season. So a lot of good coaching hires um, on the surface right now, but definitely a lot to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, Munkin was going to have to do something, right? Yeah. Oh, um, definitely. Kind of just given the way the season went. And uh, you kind of see see that happening, see, you know, a number of hires. Um, Scott, I know you, you mentioned on Slack at some point, right, that Air Force had a had a lost the coach to Purdue. Is that right? Yeah, Terrence Jameson, it hurts. He's uh, a defensive line coach. Um, obviously helped cultivate uh, the fantastic defensive line that we had. Now, the one thing I will say is I don't know exactly who was in charge of recruiting that class that brought them in there because I think that that's a really important part of – I mean, it's an important part of all college football, but it's especially important in service academy football because you have to be able to – have the living room manner um, to bring in these guys and then be a good enough coach um, in terms of leadership and oversight to actually keep these guys at the academy to have them play. And so Terrence Jameson was a fantastic coach, but he was only here for a year before that. I mean, I think we should have probably known that that Air Force was really going to be a pit stop um, because he came from Texas Tech, and before that he was at FAU, and and he's a Wisconsin product himself. Um, And so now he's moved on to Purdue. I stayed a little bit tinfoil hat-ish because Air Force does play Purdue. And I know we've referenced that before about how you have these coaches who aren't necessarily the head coach who sometimes will take on somebody with triple option experience, uh, whether it's the service academies or whether it's Georgia Tech previously in previous years. Um, So I do think maybe there's a little bit of that going on. They want to have, they want to be ready for Air Force to play Purdue, but um, but yeah, it's it's a sad loss. He was a great coach, um, and I don't know. I, I don't know who we're gonna have coming in soon. I don't know if someone else is gonna step up or if we're gonna have an outside hire. Um, but it's certainly a big loss for us. Yeah, and the Purdue thing. I mean, that that I don't even think you have to say tinfoil hat and be like conspiracy theorist at all. I mean, that's not saying. I mean, that that that's fairly obvious. That's a factor in it, right? Like it's not. Yeah, it's a selling point if you have a if you have a short list. Yeah, exactly. And on it. It's definitely and you know, a you're gonna point. play a team that you're not gonna see that style of offense. Um, or that team, you know, any, anywhere else in your season in your Big Ten schedule. So, um, I mean, to, to have that um, ability to tap into that at least a little bit certainly will help for them, um, especially him as a defensive guy, especially on, that, on the line, right, if he's a D-line guy there too, um, to, to be able to prepare for, for Air Force. So, yeah. Um, and then last thing, or well, maybe two, uh, I guess no, you know, nothing really on the – hiring front necessarily at this point, but we did lose Brian Norwood to UCLA. Um, and that's a, that's a good move. I feel like for him and he was able to help kind of come stabilize things. One of coach Ken's oldest friends. Um, and so kind of no, you can't really fault the, the man for, for that. Um, and what he provided this year from a mentorship perspective, um, but make no mistake, right? This is Brian Newberry's defense. And, and one of the bigger things, and I'd be curious to get either of your take on this um, was your thoughts. You know, we kind of, put it up on Slack a little bit and Gavin's actually working on a piece hopefully for next week or a couple weeks from now on what that kind of just means overall for a, a service academy coordinator um, and in general just a G5 coordinator if you want to go beyond just the service academy thing to turn down apparently four um, offers from P5 programs the final one being um, the, the DC job at Mississippi State. I mean, at an SEC SEC West school, 
in order to stay at a service academy. And it doesn't have to be related to, to Navy. I mean, I think it's a bigger discussion of just kind of what that means for where things are and um, and just, I mean, how big that is. Obviously, that, that is huge for Navy um, to have Newberry back again for a second season um, and hopefully an indicator that he's not leaving unless it's for the right job at a Power 5 program. Well, it's like we just talked about. We we just mentioned how there are several coaches who are leaving on to other Power 5 schools and moving on to not necessarily bigger and better, but just different things. And so I think that's a testament to the fact that you're not getting pigeonholed just because you come to a service academy. If you do a good job, you're going to get the same looks that everybody else does, and it can potentially propel, propel your career upwards. So in a way, it's sad to lose these coaches to UCLA and to lose them to Purdue. And things like that, but sometimes it's kind of a taking a step backwards to go forwards because now we have this proof that hey, if you come here and it doesn't work out, or if you're looking to move your career up to higher levels of football, potentially the NFL, like this is actually a good place to be. And you look down the list, I can't speak to Army or Navy, but like Bill Parcells had a stint at uh, Air Force, and so I think it's just kind of like that tradition, and um. And yeah, and I think that's exactly what Newberry's probably looking at. He's probably like, well, listen, this is not a bad place to be. I'm not getting stuck in a rut. I'm going to help kind of transform this team and then really go not only when the time is right, but when there's something that's that's even bigger because these opportunities aren't just like, it's not a one and done kind of opportunity. They're going to keep coming as long as he's producing the results that he has. Yeah. And I mean, Nick Saban at Navy, I'm out of here at Navy. I mean, there's plenty of, of those to go around. Um and the Norwood one, I think, is a little bit different because, I mean, he's not, like, young in his career. I mean, he's 54 years old, been around, came from Kansas State, right? So he came from a Power 5 program. Um, really, I mean, Ken lured him away, um, and I think to do exactly what he did, to come in and just help stabilize um, a staff that was going to have so much turnover in that, you know, between um, two years ago and this past season. And he did that and, and got – Hired at UCLA to be the assistant head coach, um, passing game coordinator, and D backs coach. He's got three titles, so um, you know you can't really blame the guy for that, and we're obviously thankful for that. But yeah, I think all of what you said is true. Kayla, do you have something you were gonna say? I was gonna um, kind of just like you know the idea of like how you guys are saying that like you know working, um, you know being on staff is not like a one and done type of you know position. I think if anything, you know learning the loss of you know Jay Bateman for Army is like these are really, really important positions. And I think seeing how transformative he's been able to help this team is like, maybe he realized, um, you know, especially, you know, near the end of the season, like being able to be part of um, really help building the foundation of a program um, is, is something that I think is worth staying for is something that I think is worth, you know, adding to your, you know, your coaching repertoire. Um, And I think, also, you know, can can speak more to just the general culture, you know, at Navy specifically, at Service Academy football specifically. Um, like, you know, I think it's more um, there's more to it, obviously, you know, than just just than just playing the game at Navy football. But I think um, it, it speaks to just largely about how important um, and how highly he values being able to be part of building the program, um, being part of elevating these Service Academy teams to to a larger conversation, and not kind of just being like. You know, here here's a, a you know on the surface, or you know people are saying it's a greater opportunity because of the name of the school is like you know kind of working. I think at any program and and helping doing what he's done in the past season is, is really important and, and worth noting. So I feel like you know why why not uh, stick it out and and just keep seeing if you can just replicate it, which you know hopefully I, I think is maybe what his plan is to do. 
Yeah, and and it's it's not crazy to think that it could be next year, right? I mean, I, I'm so, I'm super thankful to get a second year, yeah. um, but it's going to be one of those things where the right, especially if he can, if the defense performs again next year, and from all you know, from everything we can gather, you know, he's pretty much a genius, a defensive genius. Like if if it continues where it is, he's he's going to get a job and. Um, maybe he thinks he's going to get a head coaching job. Maybe that's what he wants. I mean, who knows? We don't know like the ins and outs are, but it's just really cool um, to see him commit another year to Navy when he had greener grass, pasture opportunities, at least what most people would say, right? Not, to your point, maybe kind of Kayla, like most people would say that, but um, he, he's kind of committed himself to trying to replicate that again this year for Navy. So it's cool. Uh, and last thing on football, and then we'll take a break. Uh, can't go without saying uh, – XFL, we just talked Super Bowl, but XFL kicks off in a week, right? And um, after the Super Bowl, so um, and the very first game of the XFL re- rebrand, reboot, um, rebirth is going to involve both service academy players that are in the league. So you'll have the Seattle Dragons that have Keenan Reynolds taking on the DC Defenders, which uh, signed Jalen Robinette, now Jalen Rowell, um, this past week. So both, both of those guys made final rosters and they'll get to square off in the very first XFL game. So that should be pretty cool. Two o'clock on ABC, um, a week from Saturday. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that out. I'll be excited to, to watch and see, you know, if either of those guys are able to contribute. So it'll be good. Um, but all right, that's enough for football. It took longer than expected, um, as usual. And, uh, and we'll be back after a break to talk basketball and some other, you know, just kind of hodgepodge of random, Randomness going on, but some pretty cool stories out there across the service academies. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, just spent the first half hour or so talking some some football stuff. Uh, you know, postseason bowl. Um, you know, exhibitions for some of the guys. Um, coaching changes. Super Bowl with Ben Garland. XFL. A lot going on, but uh, we won't spend too much time. But I got to give Kayla a chance. Uh, let's talk some basketball. We haven't talked much basketball, and there is a reason for that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it's it's been it's been rough. Like, and I usually do. I usually get into. I mean, I will say, and I've said it before, probably on here. Like, I'm probably one of the top five Navy women's basketball fans in the country. Like, I had to spend two seasons with that team. That whole coaching staff are are friends of mine. Um, I care for all of them, um, and and um, grew to really enjoy their you know being around them. And so I'm a huge Navy women's basketball fan, and it's just been it's just been tough across the board. Um, some signs of life from the Navy men and the Army men, and but uh, it was Army Navy basketball weekend this past weekend. We had Ryan Haynes down there covering the win, the women and the men's game. Um, in the women's game, uh, Navy did take it over Army, right? In the in the women's game there, um, in the the early showcase uh, for the day, um, but then Army came back and and won on the men's side, so uh, kind of splitting the splitting the day there, um, and that one was in Annapolis. Um, so, so that, you know, boosted Navy a little bit. Um, they ended up losing today to Holy Cross, but they, that, that did give them two, their first two, two, um, Patriot League victories having beat BU and Army back to back. Um, so showing some signs of improvement, but they're now sitting seven and 13 overall two and seven in the conference. Um, but they, you know, did beat Army 57, 45, um, in that game. Uh, it was close in the first half. Navy started to pull away a little bit. By halftime, um, you know, up by six or so at half, and then really, uh, Army really didn't ever get it any closer in the second half. They just kind of kept um, kept throwing punches every time Army would try and 
get it close, maybe it would surge ahead. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was the women's game. Like I said, 57-45, it was cool. Uh, MK, Lasowitz, so Mary-Kate, um, but everybody calls her MK. Um, probably something that didn't really get out there, but um, she was a walk-on. I mean, she was not, not you know, there's no scholarship players, obviously, but she was not recruited, you know, came as a walk-on, um, tried out made a team, sat right next to me on the bench that that freshman year, you know, didn't get in too much. And to see her really just shine in her senior year Army-Navy game, she's the team captain, future Marine. Um, and to, to have 23 points, um, it was cool. It was cool for me to see that from her um, as a former walk-on. But anyways, Army is now, Army women are now 5-14 and 14 on the season, 1-7 and seven in conference play. Um and they got just trounced by Bucknell, um, you know, since since the Navy game. So it's just been really, really rough for the for the women. Um, and and I don't know what, what Air Force women's record is, to be honest with you. Um, but all right, Kayla, here's your chance to to talk about the men's game, though, which was a pretty exciting game. Um, and go ahead and tell us about Tommy Funk because he was um, impressive. Yeah, I you know just rereading. Um, and looking over, of course, the box score and Ryan's recap, which is great. Uh, if you haven't read it, definitely take a look. But Tommy Funk was just like definitely like the name of the game. Um, totaled 26 points, six assists, um, just really out there. I mean, this game very much like I said it in my notes was close, but like they Army could have they could have lost it in in the last couple moments. But um, so I was really you know I was really proud of the men's team for keeping it going and, and just keeping the pressure on um, Navy. Um, you know, on Cam Davis, who was just like, you know, crazy good um, shooting from the three. Um, also, you know, Josh Caldwell registered a double-double himself. Matt Wilson had 18 points. So we've got a number of, you know, guys, um, you know, shooting, you know, double digits, over 10 points. And I think this is just, it's good for them because early on in the season, I was kind of like, you know, the woman who aren't, you know, doing now. I was a little worried. Um, so they're coming back, um, you know, on a on a five-game winning streak right now. And hopefully, you know, this game, you know, this weekend on Saturday, they play uh, Lehigh, who's not doing too well. So I'm hoping it's going to be an easier game, especially, you know, after, you know, playing Navy uh, two weeks ago and then playing against Bucknell. So hopefully this is going to be some time for them um, to kind of, you know, reboot, of, of course, you know, have a good win. But it was definitely an entertaining game to watch. Um, but, yeah, I, I was I was really impressed because the last couple minutes I was like, oh, man, they really have the possibility to lose this because, um, Navy wasn't able to, to convert on their turnover opportunity. So we're able to, to kind of take yeah. it away from them, um, and, and solidify it. So, so I'm happy, I'm happy with that and I'll, I'll take that and hope, hopefully the ladies can, can improve this weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, uh I got to whatever, oh, man, I don't even remember now where it was like six points maybe, yeah. um, six after six, six, Cam Davis, yep. yeah, Cam Davis made a, sh- a great shot. And Navy got a steal and couldn't convert, um, and it just looked like there was a chance, you know, under two minutes there to get it within a score, or, you know, four points or something. So they were they were getting back in it um, for sure. Army had built a pretty good lead, um, well over double digits uh, as much as 16 in the second half. And yeah, I mean, Tommy Funk is fun to watch, you know, no doubt about it. He's been a great player for them, a senior, um, all you know, four years. I mean, he's going to go down. He already is, I believe, Army's assist leader all time, and is going to be, if he's not already, he's really close, um, the Patriot League all-time assist leader, um, which is impressive. Um, so he's a great player, and it was kind of weird how they just were not gelling the beginning of the year. I don't know what was going on, you know. And 
Um, just really, really struggled for a period there, especially to start off conference play. I mean, they started out 0-1-4 in conference play. Um, but for them to um, to now have rattled off five in a row, great win against Navy, and then to turn around and beat Bucknell, um, you know, who who is also kind of middle of the pack right now, five and four in conference. But I don't think they had beaten Bucknell since um, 2014. So um, that's crazy. And that's not that's not home or away. I mean, they had not beat them in five years. Um, and so to beat Bucknell tonight, you know, today or yesterday, whenever it was. I think it was today, earlier today, but they're on a streak. They're, you know, one five in a row. Navy men bounce back after losing to Army. Um, and, you know, shellacked Holy Cross um, today. So they beat them 81-66. Um, so got back on the winning, you know, winning column. They're now 6-3 and three, um, in conference. So it, the men's side is maybe on the Patriot League it's shaping up to actually be pretty good. I mean, Navy's one game back now they're one game back of Colgate um, at six and three so maybe as this progresses through the Patriot League we'll see uh, we'll, we'll we'll end up at the end of the you know Patriot League play into the postseason Patriot League tournament really actually pretty hyped to, to see how Navy and Army do on the men's side um, for sure so uh, maybe we won't all be lost Air Force Scott which got want to talk about them uh, it is a uh... It's a tough, tough time right now for Air Force Winter Sports. Um, they beat Army earlier in the year. Ha- yeah, men. The men did beat Army. Um, the women have not. Did not. Army was, or Air Force was being Army for the majority of the game and ended up losing for the women. Um, and then they lost to Navy. But right now, Air Force is sitting at nine thirteen for the men um, and not looking great for the women. The the women's team. Um, I don't think we've had a double digit winning season in the last 10 years at least um and i don't believe we've had a winning season for the women since in since the 90s if if then i don't know um and i don't know what it is and i think that that points to a big problem because um having gone to games when i was a cadet it was the games were fun and i just don't know what needs to change i think it's extremely tough playing in the mountain west every year you get um, one or two teams that stand out, maybe make the tournament or get close. Nevada has been really hot um, for the last few years, and it's just difficult. And and I think another thing is like we've even had some really good players. Like right now, we have Lavelle Scotty. A few years ago, we had uh, Justin Hammond. Before that, we had Mike Lyons, who made it into the D League, um, and I think he played a little bit of professional basketball over in Europe. And it's just. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see. I'd like to see the basketball program improve, um, but it's a really difficult place to be in right now. And I think that that's something. That hopefully, Nathan Pine can look to making some kind of changes, because it's frustrating when you see a lot of success in other sports. And the majority of of our athletic programs have had some kind of school records in recent years. Um, and just kind of why not basketball? And even right now. Um, I think hockey is going through a little bit of a rebuilding time. We lost a lot of uh, senior players last year, um, and they're not even really doing so hot right now. Um, wrestling, I've been keeping track of a little bit. That's going to be constantly difficult because we're in the Big 12, which is a lot, and, and granted, it's a lot different. If you're not uh, inundated into wrestling, then you might not know that it, it doesn't look like football Big 12. There are a lot of smaller schools in there, but... Um, yeah, it's it's just a tough time. Maybe we can yeah start and start it, the uh, spring sports soon. <laughs> hockey's been rough too, right? So 
Uh, yeah, they're they're eight and twelve right now. Eight, twelve, and four. Um, so not. I wouldn't hang my hat on any kind of really big postseason hopes. Maybe they can pull something together. But Frank Sartori is a is an incredible coach and incredible recruiter. So I think that um, maybe this can just we can kind of chalk this up to being a little bit of a down year. But um, I mean, you never know. Maybe they can pull it out. There's plenty of hockey left. Yeah, to the basketball thing for Air Force, uh, I I not. You know, it's taken me however many, you know, two years now with AAE to really feel like I have a grasp on Air Force from a football perspective and kind of just following along much closer. Be honest, that has not translated to basketball. Um, has translated to hockey some, even even baseball some, lacrosse, but but not basketball for me. Um, and maybe that's an indication of of where it falls out in the pecking order. You know, just even me as a non fan really, um, who's trying to to run a a blog that covers Air Force, but I have to, from an outsider's perspective, think that Mountain West thing is is, is a much bigger deal than you kind of, not to say you glossed over just now, but just, um, you know, the Patriot League is a great league. It is a great league. Um, I, I believe that. Of like a mid-major type league, it's it's a solid. They've put out some really good champions who've done things in the tournament. You know, Lehigh beat Duke a few years back, and they've had great players like C.J. McCollum from Lehigh and stuff like that. So, um, but the Mountain West, I think, is on a different level, right? And you just mentioned Nevada. I mean, you got San Diego State's number four team in the country or whatever right now, right? Undefeated, I think, still. Um, and so you've just said, you, you know, you've, Utah State's been good sometimes. I mean, you've, you just have some really, really good competition um, that, that's come out of, um, you know, UNLV obviously has a history of being really good. So it's just a, it's just a, t- a different level. Um, and there just may be a gap there that, like a lot of like the Mountain West and a lot of other sports outside of you know football and maybe women's tennis and stuff like that, um, cross country and, and some of those right there there are some where you guys have a, a really solid you know footing but there are others where the gap just may be it just, it just may be something that's going to be really tough to overcome. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because it's like you look at the schedule and, I, and I'm not going to pretend to be super well versed in in the complete landscape of college basketball but i mean when you can come out and beat uc riverside 105 to 56 which is a pretty not great program and then you know you turn around and lose a game um to unlv 59 to 71 i mean it's clear and and then and then there's also other kind of perplexing things like we played utah state on january 7th and 179 to 60 um and then turn around two weeks later and lost 47 to 72. And granted that could have to do with starters who was playing their schedule. So it's not just looking at it in a vacuum, but it's kind of like, where do we fit in? Because it's clear that we can, I mean, just with the, the, everything the Academy has to offer the facilities, um, how, like how we're able to recruit athletes and other sports. It's like, where do we fit in, in the college basketball landscape is really what I would like to know. And I, I think maybe it does lie with another conference, but it's like you have the if you have the ability to blow out a college basketball team um, by a fifty point margin, I mean, I think that says something. Especially if it's, I mean, even if it is a D one team who who might be not so great, but it, it just it's confusing, and it's like I don't know what kind of identity really Air Force basketball has if we've ever even really had one. Um, but I think it would be interesting to see what if anybody has an idea of what we could do to improve the program. I'd like to hear what those ideas are. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Shoot them our way for sure. Let's, I mean, that'd be interesting to hear for sure. And 
Um, I just think it's one of those things where, you know, whether it's rotating between San Diego State and Nevada, whoever it is, like there just seems like there's always a, a team making a dominant run for a little bit. And what is that expectation for Air Force? And even somewhat in the Patriot League, like, um, I get really excited this around this time where it's like you're moving into the second half of uh, conference play. Navy's playing well; they're six and three. Army's five and four. They can compete with anybody in the Patriot League, but um, you know, just having that expectation of them actually making the NCAA tournament like that's what I want, right? I want them to make a t- make a tournament so I get to watch them play in the NCAA tournament. Other than that, like, I, like I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just kind of like where I want it to be, and and it's not. I don't think it's going to be there for Air Force and and Navy and Army because of the conference they play and maybe have a little bit better of a chance. But um, but even then, like that's really not the expectation. So, it, so some of it is just difficult to to kind of get excited for. Yeah, completely agree about that goal setting and expectations. It's like because to me, it just doesn't move the needle. Um, just hoping for and getting excited over a better than five hundred season, and I think that those goals that it's like it doesn't even really seem achievable with what we've had. But like I said, it doesn't make a ton of sense because we have had players, like we had a, a player leave um, the Academy a few years ago and then make it to the NCAA and make it to the final four. So it's kind of like we're bringing in some of this talent, but wh- how are we not managing it? Is it not complete? I, I don't know. And I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. All right. Enough basketball. Um, let's take another quick break and then we'll come back and talk, um, you know, other other randomness as we kind of wrap up here. All right, welcome back to the Against the Enemies podcast. Uh, just got a quick segment there on service county basketball. Um, it, once again, uh, you know, Air Force kind of falling off. The the women across the board not having good seasons, but Navy and Army men. Um, Army has won five in a row um, now, going from zero and four to five and four in conference and surging. And Navy, you're sitting at, Navy sitting, at, excuse me, at second at six and three, and so. Maybe they will push um, into the second half of conference play and really kind of cement themselves in the top third of the conference, and we can really look forward to that rematch between Army and Navy and the Patriot League tournament. Um, but otherwise, it's been it's been rough this year. Um, Scott, you kind of mentioned some of the other winter sports, and it's just not been a really good winter sports season um, for Air Force. So I know you had brought up you know some external stuff you know going on outside of um, maybe here and now present air force athletics um so some of that stuff you want to run down i mean you talked about the winter winter classic or stadium series whatever it's called um but before that even happens right you're going to get a air force hockey game at falcon stadium that's pretty cool yep against colorado college i think it's a really cool showcase um and i I know that this did come i want to give um Nathan Pine, all the credit in the world for this. This has been in the works for a few years now, but I think Nathan Pine has done a really good job with managing it. I don't know how much say the NHL has, but they've done some really cool things with uh, Air Force Academy-inspired uniforms um, for the teams. It's going to be the LA Kings against the Colorado Avalanche. And just showcasing what the Academy has and and making people kind of look at it in different forums and saying, hey, like, you know... um, what what is this place? Because I know there's a lot of people. I I met so many cadets while I was there. They were like, I didn't even know what the academy was until until X happened, until I saw a game on TV, or until a counselor talked about it or something. So I think showcasing it is always a good thing when it comes to recruiting, um, just cadets in general, and and just showing the American public what their taxpayers are, what their taxpayer dollars are going to. Um, I, I think it's going to be awesome, and it's it's cool. It's going to be a big event. Um, obviously, the NHL. 
really for the last 10 years or so has been pushing the old school idea of pond hockey and bringing that onto the big stage for the NHL and getting outdoor games. Obviously they started out with the winter classic, which has been played, um, around, around new year's, um, timeframe. And, and now they're kind of expanding it out to the stadium series. And so doing, they've played it in the big house, they played it in some baseball stadiums and now to have it at Falcon stadium is something that's really special. So I'm excited for it. Let's not forget 2018 Stadium Series at the Naval Academy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two years ago. I mean, that's why it was really cool. And um, so much so that I am honestly like, there's not too many like uh, events where I'm like, ah, I really wish I was at that Navy sporting event and missed it, um, you know, to that degree, especially something that wasn't even for Navy. But I, I was jealous that that night um, of not being at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium to see the Capitals and and Maple Leafs play, um, and so I think it'll be the same thing at Air Force. Like I, it's just gonna be really cool, a really cool um, backdrop for a game at Falcon Stadium, and to be able to play Air Force to play there before um, the actual Stadium Series game. Um, what a cool way to showcase, uh, you know, the Air Force Academy, like you said, Scott, and just to to get just a, a cool event um, that'll it'll be there that hopefully people will go out for and. Um, and can really put a spotlight on, on the Air Force. So, um, but but outside of that, um, you know, you mentioned some other stuff. If you want to kind of give us a rundown of some stuff you've been tracking as far as um, people on the professional, professional, more professional side uh, of of things, and um, golfers and ultra runners and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, the first guy that I've been really, really excited about is a man by the name of Jim Walmsley, who was a 2012 Air Force Academy grad, and uh, I wrote a story about it. You can check it out on againstallenemies.com. Didn't get a lot of traction, and I completely understand because it's so niche and so weird what he does, um, being an ultra runner, and I had a little bit of hesitation going into his entire story um, because it's a little bit personal. Um, You know, he... I don't think he himself believes that he was like the poster child for the Air Force um, while he was on active duty. He had a wonderful career at the academy um, on the track team and had some really good times, but uh, went through a little bit of a rough spot and ultimately um, was discharged from the Air Force. And he was going through some depression and they told him he went to go see a therapist and they told him, just run, go run. And so that's what he's done. And he's really taken that and, uh, pushed it. And now, um, like I said, it's a little bit niche, so he might not be a household name in, in most circles, but he is a legitimate star in the sport of running. I, you can listen to everybody talks about, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and, um, the, one of the, the interviewees was asked who is doing incredible things in ultra running. And he, he was the, the, uh, the first name that was announced. And so, um, he's, he has a ton of records right now. Um, he's, like I said, just a legitimate star. He currently holds, uh, five records on different courses, um, going from 50 K to a hundred miles. And two of those, he's actually set the record and then broke it, uh, the, uh, within a year or two years. So, um, but because it is so kind of weird, I think he wants to get a little bit more into the mainstream and now he's going to try to make the marathon team for the U S Olympics. And in the more serious running circles, people have said that they don't feel that he can do it because he doesn't have the speed, 
Um, but there's a an app called Strava that you can track your runs on, and there are people who believe that he is right up there with some of his workouts. And one of the things, so they're going to be running the Olympic trials here in a few weeks in Atlanta, and one of the things that they talked about was the hills. Um, and it's a very hilly course, and apparently that's where he's really going to turn it up. And um, I don't know the exact breakdown. I know that it's a it's obviously an elite class of runners who are even going to be competing, and they all, there's only a few slots. But it'll be something that's really cool to watch. And, I mean, it's a pretty digestible concept to understand, even if you're not a running fan, just to track it. Like, it's literally you go out and run really, really far as fast as you can. Like, he ran the Western States 100. That's 100 miles in 14 hours, 9 minutes, and 28 seconds. And there's a ton of elevation change in that. Just insane pace um, and insane mile splits. And so I'm super pumped. Um, I know if you're not into that and it's like, a, it's definitely a morbid curiosity because I have no interest in personally <laughs> doing any kind of distance running like that ultra running. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool to track. So check him out if you can. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really cool. Um, you brought up Strava. Isn't that that app where like it was showing people overseas on bases, yes. like running tracks <laughs> and like basically serious serious obstacle violations yeah i remember when that came out i was like oh yes so so don't download strava (laughs) if you're oconus uh, don't don't use that app (laughs) but if you're here in the states i mean now that i know he uses it i also use strava so the distance between like me and becoming an ultra runner is like maybe not that far (laughs) there you go get after it Strava, I'm going to download Strava right now. That'd be some fantastic content. Kayla runs Oh, God, I can, I can only imagine. Yes. <laughs> um, it is a cool story, though, for sure, um, regardless of how his kind of Air Force career turned out, just to, just what he's doing. Um, well, what I, what I said about it is that I think that a huge focus, and it's important, it's obviously great to showcase everybody who does amazing things and you want to see the Superman aspect, but I think at the same time... Um, there is also a lesson that can be learned about this. Somebody who um, went through a tough spot and has come out on the other side and done some pretty superhuman things. And it's like the, the one reason why, and I doubt Jim is listening to this, but if you are, the reason why I would like to reach out and maybe he doesn't want to talk too much about his Air Force career. Um, but I, I think there has to be something that you lean on from your academy experience and going through that that would that would kind of help him in the long run so it's just uh it's a part of who he is and i think it's i think it's still you know admirable what he's doing now no absolutely i mean it's can't judge like um you know what someone went through and the challenges people i mean plenty of examples i can think of in my career people that i know that you know um have have struggled have come out better but haven't done things like that you know out of out of the struggle so uh, yeah. it's definitely cool and we'll keep it on running real quick um yeah I, I thought it was really cool um still didn't look up to see if air force and army have had somebody do this but um jake brophy is a senior who a uh, great cross-country runner for navy um four times uh won patriot league cross-country athlete of the week in the in the fall um he was the first navy runner track and field runner to break a four minute mile and he did it at the john thomas terrier classic in boston um, this past weekend, um, at three fifty nine uh, and 98, 100s. Um, so broke it by, uh, you know, point zero two there, but, but to Did get you under, say four under minute a four minute mile. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. First, first, first Navy, <laughs> Navy athletics athlete 
um, to run a sub four minute mile. Um, so I, I don't know. I just thought that, you know, the, the sub four isn't what it used to be per se, you know, 50 years ago or whatever, when people were trying to, you know, when it was so few people that, that could do it, but no one's ever done it at Navy. Um, and so something that definitely was worth mentioning, you know, for him to have done that, you know, so shout out to Jake Brophy and hope he continues to, to get a PR, you know, as the season goes on, that was the sixth, uh, I'm sorry, second best at that race for, for college athletes. Um, the best time in the Patriot league so far this season and the eighth fastest in division one. So hopefully he keeps it up and makes, makes a run into to NCAAs. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Caleb, maybe that, maybe that sounds a little bit easier than running an old I just break a four minute mile. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it does. <laughs> I think I well, I would take. Right, so that's so I'm two trying options. to like weigh the so Austin's two. here right now. Austin, <laughs> you here? Yeah. Just jump on, man. First question of the day is: What would be more difficult yeah. for you, running an ultra marathon or trying to get a sub four minute mile? Oh, sub four minute mile for me. Really? <laughs> sounds impossible at this point. <laughs> yes, I feel like I could train myself to like persevere and overcome but i can't train myself to be fast anymore <laughs> it's, over. it's over yeah Good point so i mean it's pretty cool though right jake we were t- so we were talking about the air force guy um and scott wrote the article on and all the ultra stuff he's doing and all these you know world records he's setting but then pretty cool that jake brophy for navy um first navy athlete to ever run a sub four minute mile um i thought it was pretty cool yeah weekend. definitely impressive listen i'm still in shock that i used to run a mile and a half in less than 10 30 yeah i know right not just once but like Eight times at least, right? Plus what yeah, we played summer. <laughs> yeah, I think I think those are the only times. What what is the uh, what's the distance run requirement at the Air Force Academy? It's, it's the same thing. Is it just standing up and sitting down from your desk chair? <laughs> yeah, must be nice. <laughs> hey, actually, I've I've done the run around Farragut Field before, and uh, that wind it's man, brutal, right? That's brutal stuff. Yeah, remember that time it was like snowing Austin or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but if we're talking about snowing and running, I don't think we have anything to talk about compared no, to Colorado well, Springs. No, I just meant there with, with the wind, combined with the wind, like 40 knots in there are, on the There are there. certainly stretches when you're running around in that mile and a half where all of a sudden that, you know, sea breeze is just 20 miles in your face and just yeah. brutal. So uh, not, I'm not embarrassed anymore. I, I was at the time, but uh, – my whole three-year tour back at the academy, like I had a goal, I was gonna run ten thirty because I felt like, like that was the requirement there, and I was gonna do it. Never got it. I got close. I got like ten <laughs> yeah. ten thirty-nine or something, but but never got it in my six PRTs while I was there. <sighs> so yeah, so yeah, we're just kind of talking about you know random stuff. Welcome, Austin. Uh, I was gonna say, look at me just sneaking ball. on in here, huh? Yeah, yeah. You missed uh, missed some football talk, which was fun. Basketball talk, not as much fun. Um, but, uh, hey, uh, Navy, uh, obviously this is tonight, which is Wednesday night, but Navy just had a win over Holy Cross and is yeah. actually one game back. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. It's Big crazy, bounce. though, too, if you look at the Patriot League on the men's standings, what, second through seventh is only separated by one game. So yeah. it can flip like that. But, but big, big bounce back after, you know, um, the loss to Army and for sure. And now they're sitting right there at second, right, um, at six yeah. and three in the conference. And we kind of talked about that, that the way Army has surged five games in a row now, like, the second yeah. half of Patriot League play into the tournament, it could be exciting, even though outside of that, I mean, the, all three women's teams have been just really bad, and Air Force men kind of sliding too. So, But hopefully we have Army and Navy to look forward to down the road, uh, especially in that rematch. I think we'll that'll be see. good. 
I'm, I'm excited. I'm sure this probably didn't get airtime today, but I'm, I'm actually looking forward to baseball season coming around mm-hmm. the corner. So, yeah. Well, Scott kind of brought up at least at Air Force the winter sports are not going so hot. So looking looking forward to spring sports. Um, we're not going to have a chance to really talk about it, but lacrosse kicks off right next week, pretty much. Um, so lacrosse is right around the corner. Army is predicted to to make some noise. Um, for sure, they should have a good team. Navy's got a new coach. Um, we got Ford Higgins playing lacrosse. Going to be trucking people. It's going to be good. Base, baseball's around the corner. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of cool stuff uh, out there. Uh, one other story that I wanted to bring up that I shared with everybody before we jumped on. Um, you know, I remember back um, in the summer, uh, it was on June 6th, that a West Point cadet was killed during a military vehicle accident. Vehicle rolled over. I'm sure y'all all remember that. Um, and he was a member of the wrestling team. Um, and I just think this is really, really cool. But uh, so his name's uh, C.J. Morgan, um, and his dad, Chris Morgan Sr., um, you know, got to watch him, you know, all throughout his life competing um, at West Orange High School in West Orange, New Jersey. And the wrestling team at, at West Point decided for their senior night wrestling match against Lehigh to move the wrestling match from West Point to um, C.J. Morgan's High School in West Orange, New Jersey. Which I think is just a really, really cool tribute, um, and it'll be really cool, um, you know, for the for that to take place, um, to rep, you know, remember, uh, you know, this, this cadet and and this wrestler and um, teammate and brother of, of these guys. And I just think I don't know. I, I, anybody have any thoughts on that? I, I just think it's really cool. Um, so I look, you know, look forward to that for sure. And and Army wrestling has actually been really good this year. Um, Ryan was talking about how I don't know why they didn't compete in the All-Academy Championships, but um, they would have dominated, you know, I believe. And I'm not sure when the Army-Navy wrestling match is. Anybody know? Um, look that up real quick. Um, but it's got to be coming up soon, right? It can't be can't be too too far away. Um, but I, I honestly think Navy is going to get beat pretty bad in that this year. I think, I mean, the Army's just they're having a great year. It's February 22nd, um, 7.30. February so 22nd, a weeks. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they lost to Wisconsin at the very beginning of the year out on the midway, on the battle on the midway by one point. And then other than that, um, they've pretty much dominated competition. A loss to North Carolina, the only other you know thing outstanding. Um, and so, yeah, I think they, they're having a really good year. They're going to put several people in NCAAs and just, just a really cool tribute. Um, so what else? Scott, you want to talk golf real quick before we wrap up? Or? Yeah, I do. Um, I've been talking about Tom Whitney forever. Uh, I probably sound like a broken record by now. He's had a really, really interesting journey in professional golf. And, and in a lot of ways, it's a little bit like um, Ben Garland, where you see him grinding and growing and getting better each year. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, he was playing on the Web.com tour, which is now known as the Corn Ferry tour. Um, made it up there, which is a great accomplishment. It's one step below the PGA Tour, and then uh, unfortunately lost that tour card. It, and he was playing great golf. It's just that you have to learn how to win um, when you're a pro, and getting that experience and getting those reps is is critical. And so last year he played on the PGA Tour Latino America um, down in South America, and he got he got his win, um, had a bunch of top ten finishes, and um, and now he's a full-fledged member on the Corn Ferry Tour, so he's got that status, and now he's basically playing to get onto the regular PGA Tour. And um, 
last week he was supposed to make his first start in the Bahamas, and unfortunately his brother Bob Whitney, who is a Yusafa grad um, as well, um, passed away. And he played on the golf team and, and was a major in the Air Force at the time of his passing, and it's just really sad. Um, but now seeing Tom making his first start, and it's like he's going to have a lot on his mind, but I think it's it's great that he's going to be able to get back to the grind and have his brother's memory and, and everything like that. And so um, I'm, I'm expecting really big things. It's, it's going to be a really cool season. Um, like I said, having that experience, knowing what it feels like to win, knowing what it feels like to come in, shoot a solid round, um, get into the weekend, have moving day, and then come and win a tournament, I think that's going to pay off dividends this season for him. And then on the other side of the coin, um, you have Kyle Westmoreland, who was a 2014 Yusafa graduate and played golf. And he's taking things a little bit differently. So um, he's not going the full exemption route playing on um, a smaller tour. He is he's doing that, but he's also getting sponsor exemptions. So he will be playing this week um, on one of the PGA Tour's weirdest and one of their bigger non-major events in the Waste Management Open. Um, down in Scottsdale, Arizona, he got a sponsor's exemption into that. And if he has a high finish, it can do big things in terms of getting him on the money list and potentially getting more exemptions down the road. And that kicks off tomorrow. Um, so all this weekend, hopefully both of them will make it into the weekend and we'll be able to see some great coverage um, as kind of an appetizer for the Super Bowl. So um, super, super cool in my mind because Air Force has never been a, a golf powerhouse, but now... Once again, just showing that if you come to Air Force, you're you're not just locked into your military commitment. Obviously, that's a huge part of it. Um, it's really important, but you also have the potential to go professional. And so, I wish them the best of luck. It's really it's really cool seeing um, the different avenues that they're taking as well. And so, we might see Kyle try and get that um, full exemption by playing on to. Um, the corn fairy tour, but at the same time, I mean, it's happened before with other huge, huge name players who a, a couple of tournaments changed their lives. Like if he were to win this tournament, he would get into all the majors for the rest of the year, the tournament of champions and get some, um, some limited status on the PGA tour. So if that were to happen, it's a, uh, admittedly it's a long shot, but really anything could happen. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's cool uh, to see that happen. We've obviously spent time talking about Billy Hurley you know, from a Navy side, um, but to have several of these guys competing, you know, and, and just seeing this kind of spread across a number of different sports, uh, you know, it, it's it's really cool. It's a really cool time right now, for sure, um, in service academy athletics um, because of what's happening beyond, you know, the playing time and, and military career and kind of the post-military career and seeing guys be able to serve and um, some capacity and, and then go on and do great things. It's really cool, so... Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Anything else? Anything else you guys want to want to chat about? Kaylee, you got anything else we didn't didn't cover in our hodgepodge? Um, I was looking over some stuff for just real quick for track and field. Um, so this past week, uh, some Army women uh, named Patriot League track and field athletes of the week, Callie McCullen, who's only a sophomore. Um, there are a couple women who broke records, but she. Um, recorded a 54.66 in the 400-meter dash. So she's the first cadet to record a sub-55 second time in that event. Um, and then Emily McCowd uh, got her first career 15-plus-meter shot put throw. Um, and the record was the in 2018, 15.39 um, meters. They also broke records in the 4x4 four four, 
um, with 346. So um, some good stuff in terms of the not not ultra running, quite the opposite, um, but some some um, some pretty good stuff from Army women in, in track and field. And so we got some vast ladies, so it's it's good to see. Also, totally, it was only on my mind because I was thinking last year. Um, of the Air Force, of Air Force and competing in like <laughs> the rifle schedule and the rifle championships because they did so well. Army is not doing the best. I think they're ranked 10th, but they do have a competition uh, this Saturday um, against Navy in Annapolis, and the NCAA qualification yeah. is on February 22nd. Um, and so I'm thankful actually that we've done some coverage on Air Force and how well they did because now I'm a little bit more tuned in. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on, uh, on how they uh, do this weekend in a couple weeks. Yeah, and stars on the line for rifle and I believe gymnastics um, this yep. weekend. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Where are we with the Ike Award standings, Justin? I don't know, man. Anybody want to pick that up? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's a lot of work. It is. It was by far the most time-consuming thing I did for this site last year. Um, outside of everything man- site manager related or anything, was trying to track and keep to- keep tallies over that and um upcoming so we're definitely going to do it we'll definitely tally um and maybe we should do an update and kind of just see where things are um so you know we're i don't know if y'all talked about it but we're a couple weeks away from swimming and diving patriot league championships as well in annapolis yeah did not talk about it but that is true as well Um, both men and women for navy going for whatever crazy streak they're on now as far as consecutive patriot league titles um and then we did kind of barely bring up lacrosse but um, maybe we can kind of end on that because we are spring, spring sports are here. I mean, it's 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 happening, um, and all three men's lacrosse teams will open. Um, well, Army and Navy will open not this weekend, but next weekend. So we won't talk about them until after they've had their first game. Um, Army opens, uh, or Navy, excuse me, opens um, on the seventh on Friday against uh, Manhattan. Um, Air Force actually is in. In competition this weekend, and Mitch uh, Mitchell Northam has got credentials to go or put in for credentials to go to the game. They're playing Duke, um, so number five team in the country for Air Force to open with Scott. Yeah, it's tough. Um, it's really tough, and Air Force is going through an interesting time in lacrosse right now. I think that basically what's happened is um, since. They've lost Coach Saramet to Rutgers, um, and they had their assistant coach, uh, Bill Wilson, fill in. Um, it's been an interesting time. They did have a big pickup with an assistant coach, John Grant Jr., who is kind of reviving his – he's a legend in the game of lacrosse, and he's reviving his professional career a little bit. So I don't know exactly how much time um, he is able to put in with the team. But I think one of the biggest difficulties that Air Force is facing right now is all of the new programs that are starting and all the new programs that are – getting bigger and better around them like denver utah um, in the last 10 years yeah but i mean denver in the last 10 years has just eaten up all the recruiting around there and bill tyranny is a fantastic legendary coach um and they've kind of hurt air force a little bit in that um respect when it comes to recruiting and like you said yeah utah starting up a program um michigan is still a relatively new program and air force isn't playing them but like you got to think about that regional, that regionality. Really, Air Force um, for a long time was one of the bigger programs west of the Mississippi, and now that you've got all these schools um, who are getting bigger, and even in the in the SoCon, some of these schools are getting a lot better. Like High Point, 
Um, High Point is a weird school. If you don't know anything about it, it's like a country club university. They have like a steakhouse on their dining program, and I think that's able to bring in a lot of players because they've gotten really good over the last few years. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's just interesting, and I feel like Air Force is doing a tiny bit of stagnating. We had a few really good years where we made it into the tournament. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see because – I mean, maybe now that Coach Wilson, it's really his team, I think this is going to be probably the first year that he's had all of his recruits um, playing and whatever his vision is, and and we'll see. But, um, yeah, I know just in the SOCON itself, we're picked third overall going into the season behind Richmond and High Point, but we don't even play either of them until the last two games of the season consecutively. So we have High Point on April 18th and then Richmond on April 25th. So... Um, we do have some time, um, and maybe maybe we'll look good. But um, yeah, it's it's gonna it's a big time. We'll see on on Air Force lacrosse. Yeah, for sure, and and it'll be a, a we'll see on Navy too, right? Um, we already joked about it. we'll get to see Fort Higgins knocking people out, but um, new coach, new era uh, of Navy lacrosse with Rick Soul um, being let go, and so uh, and and Amplo taking over. So it's gonna be a. a interesting year for navy and army is getting some some buzz for sure and some love early um you know in the year on the patriot league side and and should be competitive coming off of a ncaa tournament appearance right so um i think i think it'll be good for for them and then of course the women on the women's side army hopefully continuing to improve and some of that young talent from last year that uh that was impressive stepping up and getting a little bit better getting a little bit older continuing to grow a, a very young program in the women and army and then Navy, right, just right back at it, um, doing their thing, ranked, you know, in the top 20 and, and heading into um, into their season with a lot of expectations like they have had, you know, the past several years since they made their um, Final Four run, right? And uh, and so it'll you know, more than likely be Loyola and Navy kind of duking it out in the Patriot League again, like always. But um, Navy's, Navy's sitting well and got some big games on the women's side to look forward to. Um, so... Yeah, should be a good lacrosse season, and come next episode, hopefully we can uh, we can get some baseball talk in there, Austin. Yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, me too. No, it's gonna be good. Um, excited for spring sports. Um, excited to talk draft pro- prospects for some of these guys, and everybody uh, go watch Ben Garland uh, in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Yep. Austin, what are you doing for Super Bowl? Super Bowl, uh, coaching a tournament. I should be back in time for the Super Bowl. How about that? Mm. Sounds good. So you're just hanging out, hanging there? Pop, Pops is coming in town. We're going to watch it together. You and, and Pops. Brother. Yep. That's good. Yeah, I think me and my, my dad might watch it together. There my you mom, go. Mom's not going to be home, so I might go watch it with my dad. It'll be good. I just need to get my cooking advice from Scott, and I'll be set. <laughs> oh, yeah. We already, he already told us, but uh, offline you can get his what we're What's having. He already, he already gave us the rundown. He did his, his but everybody segment. is invited. I want to reiterate that. Every all of uh, against all enemies nation and you and your dad, Austin. So awesome. just get a just get a plane ticket. Just come out. I'll have plenty of food. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you got to add, Austin? I mean, you jumped in for a few minutes there. Anything? I mean, we did talk some football stuff. Newberry staying, and we haven't had a chance to discuss any of that. Any any thoughts on your mind from any of that stuff? Oh man, plenty of thoughts, but I'm sure you guys covered it thoroughly. Uh, just thrilled that as a Navy fan, as a Navy alum, that that he's returning, and uh, I I can't imagine what offer or whatever made him stay because it seems like there were multiple, you know, uh, Power Five opportunities or at least interest. So 
uh, good good keep for uh, for Ken and Chet for sure. Yeah, the big big time. And so we can already get. I mean, spring football practice will be here before we know it too. So, um, yeah, it is a, a little bit of a dead season, but we're about to ramp up and uh, hopefully get some good basketball play in the second half of conference play, and look forward to spring sports. So, uh, we'll be back with you uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, like we said, we're on our kind of every other week schedule at this point um, in the off season for football. So, look forward to hanging out and chatting with you guys in a couple of weeks. Congratulations right. to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Air Force.